And now on Tucson Business Radio, let's find out how to be healthy, wealthy, and wise with your host, Karen Fisher. Good afternoon, listeners and everyone from Tucson and from all over the world that are joining us. I am Karen Fisher, your hostess of Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. This is our August uh, virtual broadcast. We are not in the physical studio yet, but with the gift of technology, we are still able to get this, I mean, most amazing and super important information out. Um, Again, I am Karen M. Fisher. I am a senior loan officer with Summit Funding, and we are broadcasting remotely on Tucson Business Radio X. So I have a very, very special guest with me today. She's been a friend of mine for a number of years, and she's one of the most amazing, uh, the the key word when you think of Tish Times, you think of the word, two words for me. Number one, unstoppable, and number two, follow-up, because she's a master at follow-up. It's just amazing. So welcome, Tish. I'm so glad to be here, Karen. Thank you for having me. This is going to be a blast. I miss we, you. <laughs> I miss you too. Yes. I. Um, so for our listeners, um, Tish has been. I mean, well, I'm going to. I'm going to just give you some of the highlights of her bio because her bio could go on and on and on. But uh, she is the founder of Tish Times Networking and Sales Training. She's a certified networker. We're going to talk more about what that is true community builder, and she's the franchise owner for Network in Action in Phoenix, Arizona. And for the better part, well, over 10 years, Tish Tish has been teaching small business owners, solo entrepreneurs, and sales professionals to increase their income and really giving unparalleled sales and networking strategies. This is not a quick fix thing. These are real strategies that absolutely work. Um, And then you empower the sales professionals to create revenue generating business connections to follow up effectively. And that is a key thing that you do, how to stay top of mind, how to shorten the sales cycle and how to close sales with ease. The um, she's also a published author. She's done several things. I love one of her books. The title is just hysterical. Um, It's called networking is not a one night stand which is a guide for building lasting business relationships. She's also published the Unstoppable Confidence Networking Playbook and 10 Super Simple Networking Steps for Career Success, and most recently, the Networking and Sales Planner. Tish is also the founder of Unstoppable Confidence Sales Academy, which is a business school that teaches a systematic, sincere and effective approach to networking and sales to produce lucrative bottom line results. Wow. So um, I know this for a fact that these things are all true and Tish has some, you know, she's got a lot of insights and things that she's going to share with us and we'll make sure on the podcast and the information that you've got all of the connections to her social media sites and things to do. I mean, she's a, a woman of influence and somebody that, um, people, any business owners, you need to be following what she's doing and what she's sharing with us. So first and foremost, I, I just want to say congratulations on being, uh, the, uh, being the franchise owner. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Network in Action. For sure. Thank you for that. So, so it's kind of started, Karen. It's, it's, it's been a while since I've had a chance to kind of catch you up on this, but a few years back, I started having some health challenges. You remember I travel every single month. 
I was on the road sometime up in Tucson, but sometimes yeah. all across the nation. And it was starting to take a toll on my body. I had some some health concerns and I really wanted to start building my network here in the Arizona market. And I had been doing it all over the nation, but hadn't been really focused on it too much here. Um, and when I was kind of trying to figure out what am I going to do here, I've got to figure something out the opportunity to purchase the Network and Action franchise came up and it aligns so perfectly with my current business. It's a professional networking organization. It's industry specific. We really work in referral marketing, but differently than you may be used to. And so I took it, took the opportunity. I was the first franchise owner in Arizona. We've since got one more and I love it. We, we meet on a monthly basis and we help people to build business. So what are some of the key uh, takeaways and some of the things that you're seeing? Because I know you're seeing some huge results for, and, and it's mostly, uh, are, are people mostly in Phoenix or are they from all over with what's able to happen right now? So yeah, yes, yes and both. Yes and both, <laughs> so, okay. So I own the franchise here in Phoenix. And when we're meeting in person, I'm obviously you know bringing people together in our local market. I do have a component of my business um, with Network in Action that allows me to do some online work and it's more of the coaching. Um, I'm calling it biz school and it allows okay. me to, to work with professionals from all across the nation. And, you know, Network in Action is a national franchise. Um, so people can purchase franchises in any um, city um, in the United States. And I think we currently have 60 franchise owners at this time. So there's, there's franchises all over. I just have um, ownership of the one in Arizona. That's really cool. So, um, so tell me a little bit because there's different, um, you know, networking organizations that are around, and some are category exclusive, some are not. Tell right. us a little bit more about um, the as far as the network in action. Is that a category exclusive type of event? It is. It is. It enables us to really do business together, if you will. Um, so just like some of the others where you have a real estate person and you have one person who's a business coach, one person who's an insurance professional, um, the benefit of that is that person really is able to capitalize in their market and they become the go-to person for our group. So when people are out and about networking for themselves, they're also listening for those keywords that someone might say about their partners and their network and action group. Um, and so the, the difference is some, some of the organizations that are similar meet like weekly and they go through these reports every week and the benefit of having a franchise owner like myself who's been teaching networking and sales for over 10 years is that we do something different every single month. Um, we keep it really exciting and innovative and uh, make sure people walk away with tangible nuts and bolts they can apply in their business as well as meeting new people that can help them to grow their business, be it, you know, new clients or new potential collaboration partners. We're looking for all of that in our monthly meeting. So it's never the same thing every single month. Um, the thing I love most about um, Network in Action, Karen, is that we also have a nonprofit focus in that every year we come together and find a way to basically be a blessing to some nonprofit in our market. So right now we're actually doing a drawing right now to figure out, okay, who are we going to support this year and what are we going to do? We're probably not going to do a 5k or something because of the, the whole virus situation, but we're going to figure yes. out a way to do something to give back. One of the things that I know in terms of um, just the, that heartfelt business, I cannot think of a business that I consider to be successful that does not give back to the community in one way or the other. 
um, it's yeah. it's one of it's it's one of those things that um, you know when you give back it and and you're giving not to gain but you're just when you're just giving back because it's it's the right thing to do it is truly amazing how that comes back to you like tenfold it's you know as far as as far as that goes so I on agree. A, yeah on a, a, a couple of things now some of the things that I know that you are, um, a, a, and I've heard you speak publicly, so I've got some inside scoop, if you will, but the networking follow-up. So mm-hmm. what I find that people do, oftentimes they'll go to a networking, let's say it's an in-person event, and, it, and it'll happen even with an online event right now. So they'll go to this event and they'll hear something that they think is of interest or somebody that they should follow up with and then they're all excited, and then they intend to follow up, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the next thing you know, that this, that stack of business card goes from here to there to there, and the next thing you know, a few months later, it ends up in the trash can. And right. that is just money that has just been as money, it's potential serious revenue and it's also money that, you know, not just the money, but that, that psychic energy of feeling like you should have done something, but you didn't. So why do you think people, you know, and I've got my own theories on this, but what are some of the ideas that you've seen with the years of coaching business professionals? Why is it that people are not effective at following up? Well, I think, Karen, number one, we don't have a plan for it. And just like you said, if you don't have a plan, you know, you're going to take those business cards, you're going to put them in your pocket, you're going to forget about them, then you'll put them on your desk and you'll forget about them, you know. So I highly recommend that people plan their follow-up before they ever go to the event. Because if it's already on your calendar, it's part of your schedule that week. So if you're going to go to an event on a Monday, put two hours on your calendar on Tuesday to make sure that that follow-up happens. So you're going with the intention of connecting with people and with the intention of being able to do something beyond that event. Um, you know, when there's no plan in place, you're you're absolutely going to have your follow-up fall through the cracks, which means, as you said, you're having money just, you might as well just take a few hundred bucks, <laughs> a few thousand bucks for most of us in our business and just throw it in the trash. Because yeah. every time you don't follow up, you're potentially missing thousands and for some companies millions of dollars of opportunities and i think people just don't think of it that way and so therefore it just kind of goes by the wayside yeah i i totally agree with that and i love that idea of uh, that schedule follow-up because i'm guilty as charged i'm like okay well no i'm not i'm not scheduling those meetings i have i belong to um two networking groups as you know i'm i i'm part of a bni chapter here in tucson and then i'm mm-hmm. also uh, part of the international e-women network which is how you and i met through e-women right. network international which is not category exclusive so it can right. be collaborative with other groups and sandra Yan the founder of EWM Network, she said it multiple times that the fortune is in the follow-up. Follow yeah. And so, um, so there, I've heard different statistics, and you never know whether where these statistics come from because sometimes I think they're just made up, you know. Yeah. But I've, <laughs> one thing that I do know that I can see as a trend is that people are distracted right now. Yeah. They're yeah. they're. They're overwhelmed and they're distracted. And I would 
uh, venture to guess that, that that's made follow-up even more of a problem for people because I, I like I was talking to a, um, we've got a, a realtor, a mutual uh, that we're working with a client who's getting ready to purchase their first home. And the poor realtor, I, I mean, she was on the phone. I, she's a really, really nice person, but I could just tell she was really stressed out over the phone. And then I mm-hmm. kind of hear in the background and I picked up on the fact that here she is trying to work trying to work in a COVID environment where things are weird, scheduling inspectors, appraisers, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, oh, and by the way, she's been thrust into the role of being the person who has to homeschool her children because of what's of happened with the yeah. virus. And, right. and so in terms of, um, for me, one of the things right now that I'm trying to do for everybody is offer them some grace because I really feel that people during the pandemic are reacting to this loss in different ways. Right. But I can see it's definitely affecting the follow-up and perhaps how you're presenting yourself as far as business. So what have so you true. noticed with that? All of what you just said. <laughs> All of what you <laughs> just said. You, you know, and one of the things that I, I just did a live video with a um, another business um, franchise owner in, out of Houston. We just did a live video, I think about a week ago, about oh, this very same topic. Oh. And the, the thing that we were really saying is to the best of your ability, because we're all in the same boat, you know, some of us have children at home, some of us don't, but, you know, we're all in the same boat, which means where some of us are working from home for the first time, you know, that have not necessarily had a dedicated home office. So we get it when there's dogs barking and there's kids running across and, you know, there's, there's, there's no shame and no judgment around that. However, to the best of our ability, we need to create some sense of normalcy and heighten our level of professionalism to the best of our ability when it comes to, um, the way that we're operating in, you know, this Zoom environment and this COVID environment. So that being said, we understand and no one's judging you when you have a cat walk across your desk or a kid is kind of coming into your your background. Um, but, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for my children's entire life. My youngest son just turned, no, he didn't just, he's about to turn 22. And the one thing that I did really, I think I did a really good job at is helping them to understand what entrepreneurship was like. And so we really talked a lot about, okay, when mommy, mommy, this is mommy's work. And this is what, when this is happening, you know, you're going to have to be quiet in these areas. And I know when you're dealing with the two-year-old, that doesn't work as well. But as they get older, really helping your family to understand those, uh, those work boundaries so that you can present yourself more effectively. You can still pencil in that time to follow up effectively. Um, that might mean waking up earlier. That might mean staying up later, maybe shooting off some emails in the evening when everybody's kind of calmed down. That might mean working in a closet. I was talking to a client earlier this week and we're talking about her doing sales calls and she has six people living in her house who are all at home right now. And so we came up with a plan. She's going to go in her closet for an hour and just work out of the closet so she can have some quiet and some focus and just get it done. So although I would love Karen to be able to say, you know what, it's tough for everybody. So don't worry about following up. Don't worry about being professional. I can't say that. We still have to make accommodations for our own success. No one's going to do it for us. And so to the best of your ability, still carve out that time, still 
um, you know, set aside that time to when you can be on calls in a more private environment, do so. If you got to clean out a closet and stick a desk in there, whatever you need to do to make sure that your clients can still depend on you and feel like they're going to get great service when they work with you. I, I think that is, I think that is just spot on because um, I, I, right as you're saying that, I think of a, um, a, a friend and a client of mine who uh, they were in the middle of a move. They actually had some damage to their house. They were in the middle of a move. They were in between. So they had this, this temporary housing, which didn't really accommodate their family of four. And mm-hmm. I literally can picture Lacey because she took a picture of it after it was all said and done, but she was making her follow-up calls in her bathtub. Yep. Obviously yep. not with the water <laughs> on, but yeah. in her bathtub. And she's like, okay, this, this is what has to be done. So, yeah. um, you know what I had yeah. to do um, at one point, Karen, cause this is probably a story for a whole other time, but I had a staffing company, um, that I I owned a staffing company prior to this business. It collapsed in 2008 with lots of other businesses. Yes. Um, and so when I was kind of rebuilding and figuring out what I was going to do starting this business, we had lost everything. We lost everything. So I'm living, <laughs> me and my husband and my youngest son are living in my brother's house on the bunk beds in his one of his guest rooms. And so there was no privacy. There's no space. There's no place for me to say, hey, you guys be quiet. I'm on the phone. So I went to the library and there are in many libraries, there's what they call those study rooms and you can sign it out sometimes. I don't know if all cities have them, but I know they have them here in Phoenix. I know they had them in Texas where I used to live and I would go into a study room. And I would have that peace and quiet to work on things for an hour or two at a time. And sometimes I can make phone calls in there. So you just got to get creative sometimes. Well, and let's talk about some of these things as far as the creative, because one of the things that's happened with us, so I'm in, as, as you know, I'm a mortgage banker. Mm-hmm. And, but because of the issues with the COVID, the COVID-19, the breakdown and things like that, we, and within our own office, we've had three people that tested positive for COVID. Uh, no, technically that's not correct. We actually had four and one of my coworkers, uh, very tragically, um, so he ended up in the hospital. His dad was in the hospital. His mom was in the hospital. Oh, and get this. They were in three different hospitals. Oh my God. Oh, and his, his dad did not survive. Oh God. That's terrible. So with that, which is, I mean, just absolutely heartbreaking yeah yeah and with that scenario um as soon as there were there um i'll be the first to say i'm my, i'm 60 years old gonna be 61 in september and my daughter uh very kindly reminded me that i'm at the at-risk category <laughs> like okay she, she goes well you know you're old and you've got a little extra baggage I'm like oh thanks oh. honey <laughs> you know? sweet, cho- that's, sweet that's children what, that's sweet what children. comes uh, that, that's what comes from my uh my uh mathematician daughter who is just the facts ma'am um but the so but with our within our company and then our my company is our corporate headquarters are out of Sacramento, California. So there was um, back in this was back in March. There was uh, they were, even though mortgage money is considered an essential business, not all of the facets of 
operations of a mortgage company are considered essential. They right. sent and within a four day time frame, and it was something unbelievable. Our IT department talk about going around the clock. They literally moved 80% of our workforce home in a four wow. day time frame. It was wow. something to behold. Our company does a what we call the whale of the month, which is basically typically given to somebody, one person who's just done a job that's a you know, a job whale done, quote unquote, you know, so mm-hmm. above and beyond and everything like that. That was the first time in our companies and it were twenty five year history that an entire department won the whale of the month. Wow. And we had we had to get creative. And, you know, plus our information, I mean, it's super confidential. So as far as what they had to do to set up for the technology and everything like that is, is really amazing, but you do have to get, you just, you've got to get creative. And so we have figured out, um, I don't know about you, but in terms of the virtual calls, I am meeting people on zoom. Yeah. Um, blue, blue jeans, Mm -hmm. FaceTime. You know, and then email, and then um, we have uh, very secure. The other piece of it is you've got to keep your clients' information completely confidential because just as all of the workers seem to have been sent at home, keep in mind you've got a lot of bad guys that have been sent home too. They've got a lot of extra time to try to hack into things. And I saw a recent statistic that um, 37% of all attempted hacks are with the health profession and finance, 37% of all the attacks. And since April, this statistic came out of the federal trade commission since April, the, um, the uh, cyber attacks, they're up, get this over 600%. Wow. It's a lot. So you got to be real protected. So, so the way that we pivoted is, um, you know, just in terms of beefing up everything as far as our cybersecurity. And at the same time, to protect our clients, we are not meeting people in person. We are meeting people virtually. Right. right. Yeah. You, I think that this, that word, I think it's probably a little overused by now, but we've heard it so much as pivot. You know, we have to, as business owners, that's why we get into business, I believe. You know what I mean? That's why we take on roles that where we have to be in control of our own books of business and so on and so forth, because we, we are creative. And, you know, many times we kind of get stuck um, because we're doing the same thing over and over again. Um, I just, and I, you read it, matter of fact, I just wrote an email about this yesterday, I want to say, about how sometimes it's these types of situations, Karen, that, that force us out of our routine and cause us to have to get creative in order to stay in business. And I think so many of our small businesses are having to figure things out in a way that they wouldn't have had to. We would have stayed in our comfort zones forever and probably stayed in that state of, um, you know, same income, same level of, of client service, whereas now we're having to get creative. We're having to be more innovative. We're having to figure out how to serve at a high level um, in a way that does not require, does not involve that face-to-face type of service. So, you know, kudos to your department there that was able to make that shift and kudos to all the small businesses that are doing that very same thing right now. I'm having to do it and so are my other business colleagues. And um, if we sit on our laurels and kind of wait 
to see what might happen, we're going to be in trouble. We have to be creative in this hour. I, I love that being creative in this hour and, and dovetailing on that. I, uh, it, it is true because I, there's a lot of, for example, working virtually, most of the, you know, most of the businesses in the United States would has, has said that I don't think people can work virtually. They're saying that, oh, it would yeah. never work. I have to be there overseeing the people, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. When in fact, and they have know, found that people uh, in most cases are more productive. They are. They're more productive. In all honesty, I think we're overworking ourselves. <laughs> we're probably working yes. more from home yes. than we would have from the office. But what's really funny is I, I had done work for a university in Texas for many, many years. And I had pitched to them um, the ability to do some of their professional um, classes remotely for once since I moved to Arizona actually because you know I lived in Texas for you know most of my life and they were so set against it dead set against it well guess what now we're (laughs) we're doing remote classes for the fall for the professional development um, departments and they never thought it was possible so it's like you don't know it's possible in many cases until you try it and we're having to try things that we once thought were just not going to work as well we weren't going to be as engaged and I'm I'm really glad to see people thinking of new ways of doing business i i totally agree and i love you know and we're actually at the top of the hour i just want to remind our listeners that i am karen m fisher senior loan officer with summit funding and you're listening to my monthly podcast of healthy wealthy and wise my goal for starting this podcast at the very beginning people that know me and have known me for years know that i'm a connector i'm always you know people uh What are people doing to be healthier, wealthier, and wiser? And my very, very special guest and dear friend, Tish Times, is our guest today. She's an absolute rock star when it comes to helping people grow their businesses and teaching people regarding follow-up and and the piece about sales. So one thing that I'd like to talk about, Tish, which I think is uh, you just touched on it just as you were saying as far as the statement, is what one of the questions that you had and that you sent this to your friends and people that are connected with you is your question was what have you learned about yourself during this pandemic so what would you say what would you say the answer yourself is so my answer because i did have to ponder on this because for a long time karen i thought that my my ability to work so well under pressure was a weakness because in school, I'd wait till the last minute to turn in my report or to study for the test. And I did well in school. You know, I got A's and B's. I was an honor student. But I always thought it was a bad thing, um, the way that I studied. And of course, people would tell me that as well. I, I, I spoke with a counselor, um, you know, a few years back that really helped me to come into the understanding that that's just the way my brain works. That's the way that I I operate. And so what I've learned about myself during this pandemic, because I have been one of those people who've been more productive and have gotten more creative during this pandemic than I probably have in years. I've I've launched new things, launched a podcast, have a new, uh, the biz school's launching. I mean, I've got a lot of things going on that came from the pressure of what's happened in in the pandemic. So what I learned about myself is that I can give myself permission to operate in this way, meaning, okay, if things get tough, I can get really, really creative. However, 
I also have to figure out ways to, in, you know, to stay inspired and motivated when there's not pressure. Cause I don't want to live like this forever. I don't yeah. want to live in quarantine, you know? So, so that's something that I've learned. I've embraced the, the, the positive piece about that. And I've realized, okay, how do I inspire myself when I'm uninspired? And I'm figured out some great things around that. So what are, what are some of the things that you do to inspire yourself? So I am a voracious reader. I love, love, love to read, but I never really read and listened to podcasts. I did it for myself. I mean, I, I just love to learn, right? Um, whereas now when I'm listening, I'm listening for content. I'm listening for ideas. I'm listening for learning for myself, but also learning for my clients, learning for my audience. Um, and that was a very easy but, but important shift for me. Um, because instead of me being inspired internally, which is how I've always been inspired, I'm now being able to be inspired externally. And that allows me to stay in that flow of, of content creation and, and, you know, being able to create new products and services for my clients in a way that was more sporadic before. Now it's becoming a little more consistent because I'm kind of learning how to glean information in a different way um, so that the people that need what I have to offer the most don't have to wait until I get like a new great <laughs> light bulb moment. Oh, got it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, so tell me a little bit because one of the other things that I know that you have taught a lot of clients and things that I think are important is um, the the importance, and I think everybody needs to develop their own, but talk to me a little bit about systems and putting systems in place. We talked about that great follow-up system, which is time block something the day after a networking event. That's one system that all of our listeners can implement. Tell me a little yeah. bit more about systems. So I, I love systems. <laughs> um, you know, I always say one of the things that I absolutely love to be able to do is to help entrepreneurs, to help sales professionals to stop wasting time in their business. Because if we're really honest, many of us sit at our desk in the morning and say, you know, what do I need to do today? Instead of a system that has automated a process so that when you get to your desk, you already know what you're doing because it's already been pre-populated into your day. So one of the great pieces um, or great tools for having a system is a really good CRM because in a good CRM, and not all of them are designed the same, but in a really good CRM, uh, which is a customer relationship management tool where you can input your client's names, potential client's names, determine possibly what that um, potential clients business might be worth to your company. Um, follow the process of, okay, I've talked to them once. Last time I talked to them, they said, call me back in two weeks. You know, you get this automated, um, you know, reminder to call them back in two weeks. So the tool that I mean, when I say the follow-up is just a piece of it, it's like what I call the pre-work of networking. And I don't mean just going to events. I also mean when you're doing just prospecting across the board, the pre-work is who do I need to speak to Why do I need to speak to them? And getting all of that information prepared, knowing what you're going to be talking about when you're in the presence of that person, whether it's at an event, on a telephone call, or randomly meeting somebody, and then having that follow-up process in place beyond that. And I use a 12-week follow-up process so that you know from the moment I meet that person, I have all of these touch points already planned out. Some of them might shift depending on how quickly we engage and know what where the, the relationship goes. But not having a great tool like, like a CRM um, really makes it difficult 
to stay on top of that potential, what we call, you know, um, and I hate to use the word deal because I, I hate to equate people to, you know, to closing a deal. But for lack of a better word, if I don't know where this is actually going, it's like, who is that that said, begin with the end in mind? Um, yes, mm-hmm. Stephen if, Covey. There yeah. you go. Yeah. If we if we think of our, our, our business in that way, I'm looking at, okay, the end goal is for this person to be able to um, have this transformation of some sort, whether it's buying a new home, um, being able to get into that home at a certain, you know, interest rate, whatever the case might be, whether it's um, having someone who's been stuck in their business and to be able to make more money in their business, whatever your goal is, you kind of have to back your way into that. And so one of the, again, one of the pieces of our system is using a really great CRM. You don't have to spend a lot of money for it. Also, Karen, I, I have some that we recommend that are like $12 a month. And then I have some that we recommend that are like $200 a month. It just depends on what you're ultimately desiring to do. But if you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants every single day, I guarantee you're wasting time. I guarantee you're wasting um, opportunities that could be bringing more income into your business. And unfortunately, without sales, we don't have a business for very long. Well, and that's the other thing, um, I, as far as people, the, it's really interesting how I'll hear people say, I'm not a salesperson. As if being right. a salesperson is a bad thing. I'm not a salesperson or I'm not salesy or this, that, and the other. And I'm like, okay, well, first of all, mm-hmm. get over it and call your, yeah. <laughs> and, and if you can't use the word sales, then, um, you know, substitute the word service, being in service right. for somebody. Because right. the, the fact of the matter is, um, whether you are a parent who's selling your child as to why they should go to bed on a school night right. to, um, <laughs> you know, why you cannot eat, uh, you know, you cannot eat candy for the entire day and donuts and be a healthy person, whatever that case may be. Um, there's been, you know, I, I think the reason why some people have a distaste for sales is because of, you know, some of the almost, uh, uh, comedy routines and and unethical practices that were not based upon service, but were based upon manipulation. So, right. Um, right. so I I want to share with people, you know, please please get over that because you know nothing happens unless there's a sale. Exactly, not in business, not in business. Um, I had just written a post and it basically said always be closing. And it was, it had a strike through on it, <laughs> like strike that out. And instead of always closing or thinking that you always have to be closing, if you're always connecting, the closing will come eventually. Um, and so we take out the manipulation. We take out that feeling of feeling icky, salesy, whatever you want to call it. And if I really do come from that place of service, I really do come from that place of wanting to assist someone to get what they actually do need. It changes the way you feel about it. And most importantly, it changes the way the person who you are working with, who you are providing the service for feels about it as well. And if they want to spend time with you, they want to be in your presence. They want to hear what you have to say. Eventually, you know, if if you have what they have to offer or what they need, um, you're going to have an opportunity to do business with them. We just have to change the way we think about sales, I believe, Karen. I I agree. And I love that to change that ABC to always be connecting. Um, You know, you could say, and you could actually have some fun with it. Always be connecting. Always be caring. One of the, uh, you know, and it's really funny. I'll give you an example of what happened to me. Or This is early in my loan career. I had a gentleman that called me. Um, His wife had passed away, and they had a, a 
pretty large chunk from his life insurance and he, what he wanted to do is just reduce the mortgage payment. He was going to be able to stay. He wanted to be able to just reduce the mortgage payment, stay in the house. And, but the only thing that he could understand that he could do was to refinance. And so his questions, um, and he had called multiple lenders, but his questions were the typical questions that a lot of loan officers would have, which is what is your rate? What are your fees? Right. Those are because he mm -hmm. didn't know what other things to ask. And by me just asking him was we'll say, you know, I can certainly tell you what that would be. But let me ask you a couple of clarifying questions. What is what is your goal? What is your plan? So I looked at his loan and I recognized that the type of loan that he had was a conventional loan with Fannie Mae. And he had the ability, which a lot of people aren't aware of, where he could recast. This is not a refinance. It's a recast of the loan. So he could take that large lump sum principal balance that he had. He had like a couple hundred thousand dollars, drop mm -hmm. that on the loan. He paid um, a modification fee. So they modified the note. So the total cost was about 400, maybe $500 at the time. But wow. I didn't get a loan per se, right? And people mm -hmm. were like, oh, oh, you lost the business. Well, let me share with you, Tish, that that client, because I wasn't out there to just, it was like that insider information that I knew about the recast provision. And most lenders will never talk to their clients about this. And, mm -hmm. um, but that one client who, and I consider him a client because to me, a client is somebody that's referred me out. That right. one client within a 60 day time frame referred me 17 clients. Wow. Now yeah. I obviously didn't do 17 loans, but I did eight loans. And so when I think about sales and that connecting and that caring, you know, people come to you because they need some, they might be great at baking bread, but they might be awful <laughs> At running a business. Very true. Right? Very, very true. Um, yeah. And, and people come to me because if they were really that interested in, they're not interested in a loan. They're interested in the fact that the money will allow them to have a roof over their head or if they're doing a refinance, maybe they can pay off some of their bills and reduce their household expenditures. If they were that interested in loans, they'd be a loan officer, Right. Right, right. And and one of the best quotes that I heard uh, from a long time ago, which I truly believe when when you are the expert in your field, like let's say you've got a great physician or things like that, people are silently begging to be led. They don't want to yes. be misled, but they want they want somebody who's an expert in their field to give them advice and counsel that is meaningful and relevant. You know, very true. Very true. I, I personally do more loans in one week, closed in one week, than the average consumer will do in their entire lifetime. Wow. So if you think about that, it's, it's wise to tap into my knowledge. And then in terms of your business consulting and the efforts that you've had and the information you know around networking and sales and helping people to grow their businesses – we're talking collective, you know, decades worth of work. Easily, for sure, for sure.
Um, and, you know, I do believe when we dedicate the time to become an expert in our field, we become what I call sought out, meaning people will come from all over to, to tap into, as you said, your expertise, because you, you actually stand out as someone that does care, as someone who does get results, um, and you become that person that they will use, you know, over and over, and they refer lots and lots and lots of business to you. So I think it does um, require us to uh, figure out how do we stand out? How do we um, differentiate ourselves? How do we get so deep in the place of knowledge so that when people come to us, they get a different experience. I believe, Karen, and I've, I've, I've not done business with you on that level, but I've seen um, your work enough to know that when people do business with you, they probably don't get the exact same type of experience that they might get with another lender, for instance. Um, it's a very unique experience because it's you. When people want to do business with you and the way that you care for them, the way that you you know operate in your 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 gene of zone uh, zone of genius, rather. Um, and so we just have to tap into that. I think we have to really embrace that. I, and, you know, thank you for acknowledging that because that's, um, I do believe that one of the reasons I'm called to what I'm doing, and this is also one of the reasons I do this podcast, is that I want to help the whole person. And finance is just one piece of everything um, and as far as you. But, you know, we've, we had a couple of questions here as far as what you wish people would ponder. W one of the things that you said, you know, you wish people would, ponder about how do they get better results from their prospecting and networking efforts? What are some tips, some juicy nuggets we can leave our listeners with? You know what? They're going to be juicy, but they're going to be simple, <laughs> meaning there are things that we should know to do, but we just don't always do them. Um, so once a week, Karen, for my clients, I do what's called an implementation call. And on that call, all we do is make sales calls because I know that's the thing people fear the most. People are afraid to pick up the phone and just say, you know, hi, I'd love to get to know more about you or talk to you. Instead, they feel, oh, what if they say no? What if they don't answer? What if they don't call me back? And so one of the things that will get you more results, to be honest with you, simple is said, but hard to do is pick up the phone. Have voice-to-voice -voice connections with people. Mm -hmm. Start working on the relationship-building part of your business and be less concerned about, oh, my God, i got to meet these numbers. You're not going to meet the numbers without building the relationships. Um, and so if you really struggle with that, I know that there's, you know, there's probably other coaches who do that, but um, find someone that you can get into community with if you're struggling with it and get some help around it because it is – such a game changer. And I'm not even talking about cold calls. That's a whole other, you know, animal, which some, you know, it, it does work. It can work, but I'm just talking about the people that you've already connected with and know you want to work with or know you can help pick up the phone and talk to them. Um, you'd be surprised how many people say I hadn't done that, or I was going to make 10 calls this week and I didn't make any and they get in their head and um, the six year old person that they once were shows up instead of the brilliant professional that they are today. And the six-year-old talks them out of it, makes them think about all the places where they can be rejected and not be good enough and not feel like they can be successful in these areas. And it talks them out of their success every single time. So that's one of the biggest things, as simple as it sounds, pick up the phone, consistently set aside a couple of hours a day, I would say, but at least a few hours, you know, a, a little bit of time to make sales calls, make phone calls, connection calls, actually is what I call them. 
Well, um, you know, I've heard a couple of different ways of doing that. One of the things that Darren Hardy talks about that, the um, former publisher of Success Magazine, one of the top, um, you know, business coaches in the mm -hmm. world now. Right. Darren right. reminds us, he, he, he calls it uh, 90 hours, and I forgot the exact verbiage that power he hour. uses. The 90-minute power, power, power hour. Yep. Yep. And, yep. you know, one thing that would be great is for people to have a buddy system and yeah. just commit to each other that you're actually going to do those power hours. And, yeah. and one of the things that I have to do, and this is something you know about me is I got to make it fun. If it's yeah. not, if it's not fun, I'll tell you what little girl shows up with me is like, you can't make me. <laughs> That's yes. what shows up. You can't make me. You know, yeah, and yeah, and yeah. so um, and that's one of the common traits for entrepreneurs is that they don't really. A lot of times, people become entrepreneurs is because they don't want a boss. Yeah, yeah. You know, but the but the flip side of it is now they've become the boss, and as has stated in the E Myth Revisited, is that have now you you got into business for yourself because you didn't want a boss and now you are the boss. And how many of you have discovered that you're working for a lunatic? I know. <laughs> so, um, but uh, one of the games, one of the other tips that I do, which is kind of a fun thing, I play a game called beat the clock. Mm -hmm. um, I am uh, a numbers geek inside out, upside down and backwards. I love numbers, they're all kinds of fun numbers for me. I really like the number 12 coming from 212. Um, and the reason I like 212 is that at 211 degrees Fahrenheit, water is hot. And at 212 degrees Fahrenheit, water boils. And with boiling water comes steam and with steaming power freight train across the United States, but it's only one degree difference. And so wow. I, I uh, set my, uh, my little, uh, my iPhone timer in 12 minute increments and for getting some of those tasks done because, uh, you know, and sometimes those tasks mean, you know, am I spending that time doing effective delegation or other things like that? So well, what about, um, why do you, you know, why do you think most people or when they, when they answer the question that you ask them as to why they're struggling with sales, what do they say? You know, most people will think, you know, that, that can answer. I'm just not good at sales. It's not something that, um, people respond to for me, or I don't know what to say. And it, when we get them to think about it, because my favorite client, um, Karen, is the person who doesn't see themselves as the salesperson. That's my favorite client, mm. because I'm like, good. That we don't have to break any bad habits. We can just start from where you are right now. Um, but if they think they're just not good at sales, I want to take them back to, you know, um, how did you meet your best friend? How did you meet your, your husband or your wife? How did you connect with the person that you spend time with, you know, at work or whatever, and, and realize it's the same thing. You're just having conversations. You're just learning how to um, engage people differently. So they have it in their mind. They're not good at in sales because as you said earlier, somewhere along the way, they got a, a preconceived notion of what a salesperson is. Someone told them something, they had an experience, they saw something on television, whatever the case might be. So what we have to do is reframe their thoughts around what sales is. And I always, you know, think about it this way. If you were walking down the street and you had a pocket of Band-Aids and you're walking past someone who's bleeding, you're not going to walk past them and go, oh my God, I wonder if they'll say yes if I offer them a Band-Aid. You're going to give them a Band-Aid. You're going to bandage them up. You're going to you know, oh, do something. 
to help them. And so it's like you have a solution people need. All you got to do is go help somebody. So instead of saying, I want to make a million dollars this year, say, I want to help a million people this year. And your whole mindset shifts and you get out and you do it. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. And that is true because when I, yeah, think about that. And well, that brings up a kind of a fun question is how did you meet your beloved husband? Oh, well, first of all, let me just say that our anniversary is next month on September the 30th. We're celebrating 25 years. Um, He is my, I I mean, I can't even say enough words. He's my best friend. He is my beloved. I call him my Superman for reasons people probably don't think. They probably think is one thing. It's actually something else. But we met in church. That is (laughs) awesome. Yeah, he walked in and I was ushering and I, I always say, and I sat him down. <laughs> <laughs> and you sat him down. I love that. So now you were in, you were in Texas at the time. What part of Texas? Right. Yeah, El, what, El Paso, what? Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah. One of the things that um, we're, we're, we've got um, so many people in our prayers. I've got um, uh, family and friends um, in the Houston area yeah, and then yeah, certainly, uh, Louisiana and Mississippi. And this thing about Laura, it's been, oh my goodness. Yeah. Something we else. just had yeah. my goddaughter. She drove out of Louisiana before it hit and got to her uh, mom's house in Dallas, which I'm glad about that. And then my husband is from Houston. So we've oh, been keeping okay. a close eye because all of his family, most of them are there, are there as well. But it did kind of, it didn't, it didn't hit Houston as bad, but it did hit Louisiana pretty bad. Oh, it hit Louisiana. It's just, it's, it's just devastating. So that, that is hysterical. Well, the connector in me, um, the way that I uh, started dating Scott is I thought we worked together and I thought Scott was perfect for my best friend. <laughs> I was playing matchmaker. <laughs> so, um, it's just, uh, and, and we just celebrated our 38th wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Yes. And, and in spite of COVID and everything like that, um, our daughter, it, it was, it's been a quite a, uh, quite a roller coaster of emotions. Our daughter has been engaged for a little better than a year and a half. And so we basically, what we did is we planned, we, we planned the wedding, changed the plans for the wedding, unplanned the wedding, uh, replanned the wedding and then created. And so we went from a 200 person, uh, wedding celebration to a very small outside, uh, we had, uh, 40 people outside, like all spread apart with mass. Um, oh. and, and, but you know, I now have a son-in-law, so that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. That's awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. And then we, yeah. we, we're going to have a celebration. Um, we, they went ahead and got married because, um, well, I've got, um, my in-laws are 89 and 90 respectively, 89, 89 and 90 respectively. And so we wanted, you know, so we had, we had the, uh, the, the actual marriage ceremony. Um, we had a nice brunch. We were all separated and everything. Um, and then we'll have the big party in a year from now. And that, that was a lot, you know, with the pandemic, um, that was a real, um, I mean, I, for somebody like me who likes to have, you know, T's cross eyes dotted, yeah, yeah, you know, um, you know, the systems, it was, everything you could have possibly imagined just went out the window. Um, but it, it ended up being beautiful and, um, where it was, 
It was interesting because the priest that married Allison and Enrique, um, he had actually married Scott and me. We actually were married really? by two priests up in Phoenix. But he actually, um, in the Episcopal Church, he actually married uh, Scott and me 38 years ago. And the, wow. so it, it ended up being, you know, super meaningful. And um, it ended up being lovely. And um, we're just, you know, you've got to, I, I like one of my favorite quotes comes from the business philosopher, which I know, you know, is Jim Rohn. And I love what Jim has said is be thankful for what you have while you pursue all that you want. Wow. I love that. I don't think I've heard him say that. I've heard, I thought everything he'd said. (laughs) That was really good. Yeah. I, I, I like that one. That's a great one. Well, it's, it is hard to believe that we are coming up at the end of our hour together. I could spend, you know, days with you, which I cannot <laughs> wait. Uh, I actually, just a little tip. This is a little mind tip for my listeners. Um, I have personally stopped using the word um, social distancing, not using yes. that yes. any longer. I am using the words physical distancing because um, we are social beings and this is a great time if you have not picked up the phone pick up the phone pick up your pen you know do something and just check in with people and let them know that you're thinking about them not from a business standpoint only but you know people are really um, we it, it is not normal for human beings to be isolated i agree and i I know it's hurting i know it's hard on a lot of people and um i just think if you could be that person that gives somebody i mean you know like what you know what is that light that maybe you could bring to them today is there is there a positive quote or something funny or something uplifting that you can share with somebody and um i just on a personal basis, I learned very early in my career that negative information is free. You typically (laughs) need to pay for positive information. You've got to go and seek it out. And it's kind of like water finding its own level. Uh, It's going to sink to that lowest common denominator. But if you want to climb on the mountaintops, you've got to, you've, you've got to reach for it. You got to go for it and try to fill your mind up with some things. I know you're a voracious reader. What are some positive, like what's, what's your favorite um, or, or asking me what a favorite book is, isn't that doesn't really work because I have too many of them, but what's your most recent? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what is your favorite book? You mean I have to pick one? (laughs) I know. I know. Um, I'm literally all, I'll tell you what's I just downloaded because I'm always reading and I always have a personal book, a business book and a spiritual book going at the same time, all the time. Um, I just downloaded a book that um, is called How to Mind Your Own Mind. No, How to Own Your Own Mind. Um, and it's from the Napoleon Hill Foundation with Don Green. And I'm about to start that. I'm finishing up um, another book right now, one of my personal books that um, – I was reading in, so that'll be next on my list. But I mean, God, I'm reading something all the time. I'll tell you, let me tell you one. Speaking of Napoleon Hill, when we're talking about shifting your mindset, when I heard the title of this book, I was like, "Eh, I don't know if I, you know, I didn't understand it, but I'm so glad I read it. It's called Outwitting the Devil. (laughs) Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. 
and Sharon Lecter. And oh my God, it will get you to rethink everything about the way you're seeing um, business, the way you allow yourself to get in those comfort zones. He calls it drifting, where we're just kind of drifting through the world and not paying attention to what's really going on. It's a it's a game changer for sure. I, you know, uh, that book had been recommended to me and I bought it. And that is one that I'm actually reading right now. Um, the, as oh, far as outwitting the devil, it's, it's, yeah. a, it is really fabulous. The, the other book that I'm, uh, that I've been reading and actually I am rereading it now for the third time is by James Clear. And the book is called Atomic Habits. I have that on my list as well. I've already downloaded it, but I have not started it yet. So yeah, it's on my, on my, um, book, uh, list of books to start reading. I just, I love that. Well, this has been, uh, Tisha, you just, you're such an awesome, awesome person. And I know people that work with you, they get tremendous results. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for uh, being my guest today. Um, our amazing producer, Mark, will be able to send the link so that we can forward this and share your podcast. And you've got some great, great tips. Is If you were to leave us with one quote or one thought today, what would that be? I would say, um, you know, it's, it's simple, only believe and it's it's both scripture and it's you know it's a good thing to think about because you can so easily get in your head and get yourself stuck and stay there way longer than you need to whereas when you when you're stuck the people who need you the most stay stuck also so only believe you're more um than you probably imagine and so tap into that greatness and get busy doing the work you're called to do i love that and without further ado I'm going to sign off again. You've been listening to Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. I am your hostess, Karen M. Fisher, with my very wonderful special guest and friend, Tish Times. Have an amazing rest of your week, and we'll talk to you or hear you, or you'll hear me, I should say, in September. September. 